0: Hey, what's up, my friend? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab Podcast. Glad you're here. Appreciate you hanging out with us. Hey, today we got another great guest for you. Today we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be chatting with a, a guy that has a lot of industry experience. Has booked literally uh, a, a lot of gigs. A lot of, we're just going to go with a lot. That's a, that's a good round number. Uh, we're going to be talking with my buddy Ryan Giffen from Premier Speakers Bureau. Ryan has been working in the industry for many years and really does a lot with education speakers, with university speakers. And so we're going to talk through with him uh, what are some of the common events that speakers are hired for in the the K-12 through 12 and the education and, and for university industries as well. We talk about what some of those speakers most commonly talk about. We're going to talk about uh, busting that myth that education and universities don't have a budget or they have very, very little budget. So we dig into that. We also talk through determining who the decision makers are. So a lot of great stuff here. Again, Ryan is a, a booking agent at Premier Speakers Bureau. And so uh, literally day in, day out, he's on the phone and sending emails and interacting with decision makers in the education and university space. So if you are someone who's interested in speaking to educators and speaking to students and speaking to universities and colleges, this episode episode is an absolute must listen. All right. So appreciate you being here. Let's dig right into it. Here's my uh, conversation with my buddy, Ryan Giffen from Premier Speakers Bureau. Enjoy. What's up, my friends? Grant Baldwin here. Hey, today I'm joined by my buddy, Ryan Giffen from Premier Speakers Bureau. Ryan has been in the speaking industry from a booking perspective for over 10 years now, right? Almost 10 years, right. You're a legend, man. So let's start with this. We're going to dig into kind of the world that you're in, but give us a little bit of backstory. What were you doing prior to Speaking World? And uh, give us the the nutshell on Ryan.
1: Well, hey, everybody. How's it going? My name is Ryan Giffen. I thought I would do the radio intro as well. I I don't have the Grant Baldwin radio voice, so (laughs) I don't really have that skill set. But what I was doing prior to working at Premier Speakers Bureau, I was actually an admissions counselor, a college, a small liberal arts college in Illinois, where we actually had to work hard to recruit people to our school to pay a whole lot of money in the middle of nowhere, Illinois, which it was a passion of mine. So yeah. I love
0: doing it. Nice. And then at what point did you get into the, uh, the speaking world and how long have you been with Premier now?
1: Sure. So May or June of 2008, just kind of things kind of came together. Some will call it destiny. I'll call it provision from God of how just things kind of orchestrated themselves. Certain life situations, adding kids to the family on a, an admissions counselor salary wasn't a sustainable option. Yeah. We definitely were looking to expand, had some good friends who made some great suggestions to some great organizations. And through my connections, I ended up at Premier Speakers Bureau. And I have enjoyed working here ever since. Just the, the fact that it's high impact and high personal relationship type business, I just thrive in that environment. Yeah. And especially, I worked specifically with K-12 groups, university groups as well. But I'd say a, a majority of my work is in the K-12 education booking speakers. And to me, I come from a heritage of educators and parents and Ted. My mother was an education teacher. My mother-in-law was a, an educator, and you know, my wife was an educator until now. She's a at-home educator or mom with our three boys. But you know, that's just kind of instilled to in me. It was a great experience, education, my life, so I'm able to pull from that. But that's kind of how I got it here at Premier. Nice work on ten.
0: Well, uh, for context' sake, like because you've been there, how long have you been at Premier, booking in the education space?
1: Since May two thousand eight, so ten years. Okay, so uh, almost year.
0: ten yeah. years. How many? Just ballpark it for me. How many events do you think you've booked in the education space in that time? I'm just trying to uh, show like you've you've got some track yeah. record here.
1: Yeah, like three or four events, maybe. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. No, I mean we're we're probably booking across the board in like K twelve education university events. We're probably booking. You know, anywhere between 200 and 250 events a year, if not more. Okay, and then we have some in the the faith sectors that we work with here at Premier, with you know Christian universities and Christian schools, homeschool organizations. So.
0: So I mean, we're talking several thousand events three, that you, you've you've three to personally four thousand. helped, yeah, that you've personally worked on, and and so all that to say, you've got some experience here, so you know what you're, you're talking about. So let's start with a couple of things. When organizations, especially in the in the education space, the K through 12 colleges, mm-hmm. are booking speakers, what are they typically booking speakers for? What are the types of events that they are hiring speakers to come in for? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, it's kind of two different worlds that I operate in. So you get your K-12 through 12 education events. Those obviously are comprised of your professional development, teacher in-service, convocation events, things that are directed towards your teacher-certified or non-certified teaching staff, your support staff or administrators and leadership. So there's some levels within just that area. Now, underneath that, you have your student events. You got lecture series events that some you know K through12 schools will do fundraisers you know th- so there's a, a myriad of different aspects to that. Uh, on the university side, man it's like a crazy puzzle of different types of events that universities are doing and honing in on a specific area whether you're doing lecture series or departmental series or commencements or you know fundraising events student-led events, you know whatever it may be, there's quite a few options. Uh, those are the kind of events that we're kind of working in. I, I would say majority we work in that K-12 through 12 teacher professional development world of, a, you know, when uh, they're needing to have a speaker in for their professional development day or their convocation day to kind of kick things off. So there's a level of, you know, there needs to be some kind of certification or experience that that speaker brings or knowledge of the K-12 through 12 education world to get them in the door for those types of opportunities. So many of the education speakers that we're partnering with are focused education speakers, but often they're, they are looking for outside the classroom type speakers.
0: One of the things you kind of touched on there that I'm curious on is how important is it to have some type of either formal or informal education training in the education space to speak to that world. And I think that's one hangup that a lot of, of speakers have is that I know for me personally, I've actually, I've done a lot of speaking to teachers and like you're describing whether it's a state conference or a district event or, you know, a teacher in service at the a kickoff at the beginning of the year or something in the middle of the year, just to uh, remind them that what they're doing is important. But I personally have never taught in the classroom. I've never been a formal teacher. So how important have you found that to be in terms of just being a teacher, a former teacher, or some type of involved in education in some way in order to get booked to speak to those that audience.
1: Yeah I mean I think that there are certain jobs that schools are looking for speakers for that they have to have a specific you know expertise or certification or experience in the classroom mainly because sometimes these schools are and education groups are paying for these events through grants that they've you know are state funded and they have specific requirements however, that is only probably 15 to 20% of the events that we're doing. So you also have to say, okay, my limitations on this are only going to be the limitations that I set on myself. You know, well, I wasn't an education, you know, I wasn't a teacher or, you know, I wasn't that good in school. So there's no way I could get into education speaking and understand that. I think you dive into it, you learn what they're needing, you understand the culture, you understand their language, all of a sudden, you are an education partner. And it's kind of hard to determine who was a classroom teacher and who wasn't. So, you know, some of the most successful speakers out there, John Gordon, being one of them, you know, who has was really operated high when it was high functioning or high operating in the education world because he had a few years of teaching experience. Mm -hmm. And he was able to really kind of grow that because he grew past just being that, you know, school classroom person, he grew into a much bigger. So we worked with John early on, you know, when I was at Premier, and he was doing a whole lot of education stuff. Well, he just grew, grew, grew. And now John has this fully functioning speaking business that is international. And, you know, but that's a unique way to look at it. You don't have to have been an educator to really kind of get booked in that education role.
0: Cool. What would you say in the, both in the education space, and we can probably take this two different pieces. So the education space, but then also the college, what are the common subjects and topics that organizations and or groups are looking to hire a speaker for? Because there's the balance that speakers have to find between here's what I want to speak about, but here's mm-hmm. what groups are actually hiring speakers to talk about. So in your world, your vantage point, what, what do you find on the education side, but then also on the, the college side that what are the common topics, themes, subject matters that uh, speakers are typically being mm-hmm. being Being hired for?
1: Well, I I have a little bit more expertise as far as topics in the education world, only because the K 12 education world, only because that's the majority of where I think content is specifically requested. University, I think, is uh, again, like I've said, it's a beast to its own where there's so many, it just depends on what group is, you know, whether it's the multicultural learning, you know, club uh, at. The university, they're looking for multicultural learning speaker or uh, if it's the mathematics team and they're wanting to bring in some engineering, you know, experts and stuff like that. But so education, if you look at it, there are specific things that they look for. Sometimes it's classroom management. Sometimes it's practitioner type content that they're looking for. But honestly, boil it down. What are they wanting? Just like any company wants. They want their employees or their teachers to be motivated. They want them to be inspired. To do the best work that they can. Here's the only difference, and the thing that I've learned the most is that in education, they're working with life dollars, not profit dollars. So they are seriously considering every investment that they make into their staff and to their teachers changes the lives of their kids. So you have to kind of approach it from a totally different mindset of, you know, if you were, you know, speaking to businesses or speaking to small entrepreneur groups or, you know, rotary clubs or anything like that, where you're helping people kind of manage their brand or you're kind of helping people, you know, perform better at work to be better, to kind of increase their their growth personally, professionally, whatever. I mean, in education, K-12, that's all out the door. It's how do I make an impact in my students' lives? How do I get my teachers to make a better impact in my students' lives that will then change their lives forever? Because to be honest, yes, education is 100% about impacting kids and making sure that you know they have every tool and resource necessary to succeed like that's what the goal of every school is there's inner city schools there's you know rural schools there's schools with high minority rates with high you know non minority instructional teachers there's so many different variables that are these you know stumbling blocks in education but if you boil it down to that one area i've seen a lot of speakers do that well if you just boil down to that one area it's almost can permeate the entire education world.
0: Yeah, I know I think there's a lot of truth that I again going back to like I know for me personally like the times that I've gone in and spoke to educators it's not because I have the latest classroom strategy. Right. It's because I, I I could remind them that the work that they're doing matters and that they need that encouragement and that they didn't sign up for this to for the paycheck that they just need to be, you know, loved on and encouraged that what they do is is making some type of difference and impact. Let's let's shift gears for a second and talk about on the college side because I think there is a, mm-hmm. a lot of truth to you know, one thing I hear from speakers is, I want to speak in the, in the college space. Who do I talk to? Well, there's so many different options. So college yeah. feels like its own world that, okay, I just want to be a college speaker. But even like you kind of alluded to, within that, there's a ton of different verticals and variations that you could go into. So can you break some more of those down? Or like, what are some of the, the big yeah. ones from a student side, from a administrator side? What are some of the, the common opportunities that you, you see?
1: I mean, in the university space, from a speaker's bureau perspective, so many of the universities that are reaching out to us, they're probably coming across some of our higher profile names. And so that's more of the experience that we have premier. But as far as someone as a speaker who's kind of up and coming into that university world or wanting to kind of do that, the number one area that I think you can connect with is the NACA groups, uh, the national, any kind of national association that has to deal with student events or campus activities or something like that. NACA is a huge one that Premier is involved with that we uh, you know, invest annually in as membership because we know that's where your contacts are there. It's a tricky world, NACA is, because if you can really learn how to harness it, you can really get... I mean, you can speak 60, 70 times a year doing it, but it depends on where you want to start, what level. You know, Do you want to get the $300 you know, speaker honorarium to go into the high school or to the university cafeteria from 11 to 1230 and, you know, play guitar. I mean, and you know, we have had some speakers who have started there before, you know, very successful ones, but man, I tell you what stage time is stage time. Stage time is priceless when it comes to experience. So, Getting those opportunities. If you're really wanting to build into that, then invest into full membership and investing into learning the world of NACA and how you can be involved in their, you know, block bookings. Finding partners that are involved with NACA. So we have a lot of speakers that we partner with that say, "Hey, would you be a reference to us to NACA? You know, as a already member and pr- proposing opportunities. Absolutely. You know, we're always happy to add." successful and great speakers to our roster of people that we represent, which kind of increases the profile in the NACA world of uh, who they work with. But there's a lot of resources that NACA and these other areas do offer these types of speakers. You just really have to be willing to put in the hard work early because that's kind of what they're designed for is how to, you know, get the most talent in front of the most amount of people as quickly as possible. That's what NACA is designed for. So Mm -hmm. Yeah, but yeah.
0: yeah. If people want to look into uh, NACA more, it's NACA.org, N A C org. Another one is APCA, APCA. Uh-huh. But both of those yeah. are big for campus activities yeah. they're looking to hire speakers. You also have orientation departments, you have Greek life, you have sometimes intramurals, you have student uh-huh. government, you have, I mean, so many different opportunities Mm -hmm. that exist just within colleges. So yeah, a lot, lots to look into and explore there. Let's, uh, let's shift gears for a second. One thing, whenever it comes to education and college in general, is there's kind of that stereotype that there's no money. They don't have any budget. They're all broke. I would love to speak to students. I would love to speak to educators. I'd love to speak to college students, but it's, it's impossible to make a living as a speaker. It's possible to get booked mm-hmm. and get paid as a speaker in the college world. Obviously, you're doing something right. So what, can you speak to that a little bit on just your observations on getting paid in the, the education and college market?
1: In the K-12 education world, I mean, I, I feel like if you can find a topic or find a way that you can bring value to a school they'll pay for it mm-hmm. i mean if you can prove to them hey what i can bring to you and what i've brought to other schools has brought value to them they're going to pay for it so a lot of the education speakers we work with that have worked leadership high leadership in the education world constantly say you know yes there's schools that are you know constantly getting funds, you know, cut every, and we hear that all the time, you know, oh, we're, you know, we're having massive budget reductions and it's hard for us to even pay a speaker when we're cutting 10 people from the district or from the school, et cetera, et cetera. Those are all legitimate things. You got to be really sensitive with those though. I will say I've heard from so many people that a majority of those schools If they're managed properly financially, they have money to pay speakers and professional development. It depends on who you talk to. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, you're talking to the third grade teacher who was in a meeting, who they say, We want to bring in a speaker. Hey, can you look into the speaker? And they say, We don't have a budget. You're probably talking to the wrong person. Now, that's a valuable contact that you have inside the organization, right? You want to be able to massage that. But getting to a point where you can say, hey, I would love to have a conversation with your principal or superintendent about what I can bring to value to the, your district and to your community even, which is a really great, interesting add on that I would suggest to a lot of people is that. So to kind of finish my thought, you want to kind of make sure you're talking to the right person at the school. Principal, definitely. Sometimes a principal doesn't have all the purse strings either. It's that federal programs director, that knows exactly how many grants they've got coming in that year or that they've applied for for the next year. And they know, so federal programs type uh, events and, you know, learning what are the things that you need to accomplish and those objectives that you need to accomplish in those grants that, Hey, I, I could be a fit for those types of events. But on the other side, as a speaker coming into a school, offering more than just speaking to teachers is the greatest idea possible. So you're talking, you got teachers, students, and communities, or your three People or the people groups right. uh, that uh, are in the education world, K through 12 education world. If you can offer that you're going to touch on each one of those groups in a single day, that's a really great way to get in the door because schools, you know, they've got budget for student events, they've got a budget for teacher and professional development events or leadership events, they've got Title II funds sometimes or other different types of funds for community events or a PTO that has said, hey, we'll, we'll sponsor, you know, $1,000 here, $2,000 here for people to come in. But if you can say, hey, look, I can come and talk to your students in the morning, your teachers in the afternoon, and then your community at night, yep. that's huge value that you bring to the table while they're able to pull from various different budgets and different things. On top of that, Schools paying for speakers is a little bit outside their function. You know, their function is for education. So, what do they do with the majority of their money at schools? They pay for resources and books for educational purposes, right? So, schools have huge book budgets, mm-hmm. much bigger book budgets than they ever would speaking budgets. So, strategically, and within reason, you know you can definitely use product that you have that can be used for professional development resources as leverage to either reduce your speaking fee to a more manageable amount, and yet, you know them paying for books or workbooks or curriculum or whatever you have developed with the content that you have as a speaker to be a part of that. So packaging those things together and always mentioning to them and. One of the things I have to be really careful about whenever I'm talking to administrators, like when I'm offering something like, hey, look, if if you can buy X amount of books, you know, we can reduce the speaking fee because they're worried about, obviously, everything going through a K through 12 education world is public record. And so the taxpayers are going to say. All right, why did we book Grant Baldwin for $5,000 when we just yeah, so? there's right. like some PR issues there. Oh my gosh, that's a whole nother bag, you know, that sure. you have to like, it's like a landmine that you had no clue was there. And then you can step in it and you're like, whoa, you know, it, it can kind of just blow the whole thing out of the water. But you have to be really careful to say, hey, look, you know, don't pay but this amount of my speaking people, which you feel comfortable. But if you buy X amount of books, that's great. That is a completely different budget item. That's a completely different resource, and it's obviously, you know, added value that you're bringing to the table. You know, they're getting books, they're getting resources for professional development learning. So, that's always a good thing on the K through 12 education side.
0: What do you find is kind of the range for uh, what schools would typically pay speakers? Again, both on the education side, but on the the college side as well. What? And I know from a bureau's perspective, there's going to be a certain threshold that you're going to. Prefer mm-hmm. to work with but just across yeah. the board especially on the lower end for someone who may not be working with a bureau what do you find is, is fairly common what would be reasonable to shoot for from a budget perspective with, with schools and colleges
1: sure i mean it, it ranges but if i were to say look you're you're to keep me to some, kind of some generalities of where budgets and schools are you know professional development budgets can range anywhere between you know two to $3,000 all the way up to $20,000. Yeah. I mean, and it's crazy because, you know, I'll talk to some speakers. You're like, yeah, you know, I really haven't really pursued speaking much. I, I could never get a, a school to, to book me for $2,000. And I'm sitting here uh, as a speakers bureau, obviously working with clientele or speakers that have a lot of uh, traction and a lot of history and authority in the education world, they can demand those higher fees. So schools are out there, from time to time, paying fifteen to twenty thousand dollars for their speakers. Don't expect, you know, just because you look at someone and you say you paid that person fifteen thousand dollars, I'm a much better speaker than that person. And it almost has, <laughs> and it's ironic. It's it, that it almost has zero. <laughs> impact on what fee you can demand in the education world. But over time, you can really prove yourself in the education world as a valuable asset to teachers. Then you can probably demand that fee. You know, John Gordon now demands near 20 to 30, $40,000 for his speaking fees. You know, when I was working with them in some education groups, you know, we're taking, you know, 7,500 to $10,000 dates. Yeah. You know, this was eight, nine years ago when I first started working with premier I'm not outing John too much on his speaking fees or anything but uh but you know he worked up to that. So there there's a level. So yeah, it, it can range but yeah, 5000 is just like a really comfortable range in K12. Yeah. Once you get into the university world uh especially from a bureau's perspective uh you know Again, we'll get the student group, the, you know, you know, the, the fraternity or the, the student led, you know, club on campus, they're going to have two or $3,000, uh, you know, in their budget for, for speakers. And I think that there's a great market out there for a lot of people to kind of capitalize in quantity, those lower, you know, speaking fees, you know, once you get up into the, you know, um, you know, lecture series, you know, it just depends on who the donor is, right? Who the university is. If it's a well-endowed college, you know, the the ironic thing is the more money that the university has, the less they'll pay in speaking fees. So like you show me the last person that Harvard or Yale ever paid to come and speak to their, you know, zero, they don't pay for their speakers. Uh, It's a little frustrating as a bureau, you know, I, I understand that there's a lot of people who use speaking uh, differently as a resource for generating leads, or the or uh, you know generating some kind of platform to sell other products, which is great. As a speakers bureau, our number one function is to book speakers, right? And so get paid. Our, yeah, and get paid. So that's our business model. So sorry, um, but you know one of the things that we always joke about is that we believe in uh, you know freedom of speech, just not free speeches. So uh, you know that's something that we definitely. Uh, you know, we, we capitalize on that as a bureau because that's obviously our business model, but, uh, you know, the university world, it can really get up there, um, you know, in that 15 to 20, 30,000 plus, but again, they're looking for those speakers that have the news and noteworthy story that are probably not very good speakers, but yeah. you know, that two to three thousand, $4,000 range is great for those university, uh, student events, leadership events, uh, leadership lecture series and stuff like that cool. so
0: good uh, okay let, let's let me ask you this so uh, let's say someone's listening to this going all right I've done a handful of things a handful of gigs in the education slash college world um, maybe some free maybe just some you know a thousand fifteen hundred two thousand dollar gigs want to do more of it what would you say to them like what what works well for you in terms of finding and booking uh, gigs in the education and, and college space
1: okay um, so one of the big things that you have to kind of, i mean and this goes in any other, other industry, if you're wanting to be a speaker in, on leadership uh, for corporate groups, uh, you better have some kind of authority or experience in being a leader in a corporate environment, right? Sure. Uh, you know, I could be, you know, I, I tomorrow could make a website that says, you know, I'm a, you know, accounting speaker and I can speak on accounting and finances and balance worksheets and all this stuff. And maybe come up with 20, you know, sure, I can, I can come up with anything, but I don't have that experience. So let's say you really have a passion to get involved in the K-12 education world or a passion to kind of explore this university world. Because honestly, um, let me put it this way, don't invest and explore opportunities in the K-12 or university speaking world if you don't have a passion for the students. Totally. Pe- period. Yep. It, you'll, you'll fail. You'll get beaten down by the system. Everything that comes along with it, you'll get beaten down. It'll be horrible. So if that's your point to just make money in the university education world, stop, go elsewhere because you'll, you'll, you'll be destroyed. If you have that passion, if you have that drive to say, look, I want to make an impact. I want these students to have an impact. I want these teachers who work day in and day out on investing into these teachers' life. I want to give them a breath of uh, fresh air. I want to give them energy and passion for my experiences, or I want to go to these university campuses and challenge these students to push their abilities past beyond what they think that they can do or what they're deserved or whatever it is, or really challenge a new generation of leaders and entrepreneurs coming up. If you really have a passion for that, get involved with it. Find yourself involved with it on a real life level, not just speaking and research. So if you want to get involved in K-12 speaking and you're not, you're not a formal certified educator, volunteer to school for two days a week for a year. Be the, be the, be the school dad or the school mom or the school, you know, helper, get your hands dirty, get your hands in there and experience what it's like. You may have, you know, two or three different kids of your own at two or three different schools volunteer at these different schools because they're going to provide so many different, you know, uh, experiences that you'll have a passion to communicate, you know, your mission or your content as a speaker but you're going to find a vehicle and you're going to find a way to connect those stories through your experiences more profoundly. So if you're wanting to get in those areas, do that. Universities, if you're wanting to be a university speaker, you better step foot on a university campus tomorrow and figure out what these people are wanting. You know, it's like you, you don't, you don't go into a particular market of business as an entrepreneur without kind of knowing what that market is, what you know, predicting where it's going, you know, who are its clients, what do they like? Okay, I want to make this product. Who's gonna use it? Why is it, you know, all of these things we put so much forethought and investment into, you know, knowledge and, you know, products, you you have to make yourself a product in the education world that has experiences in their own world or they're not gonna accept you. Yeah. Uh, but if you can pull from those experiences by stepping foot on that campus, being a campus volunteer, you know, walking into that, you know, office of community relationships or, you know, whatever, and be like, hey, I want to volunteer and help this university and be involved, you know, that, and especially in the K through 12 schools, I mean, you walk into a school and say, I want to volunteer, they not, they're not going to send you away, you know, <laughs> unless you, unless you specific, because you're volunteering, obviously, to help and to help the mission of the school and all this stuff, obviously, don't say that you're, you're going there just so you can get more speaking engagements in the education world, like, don't say that, <laughs> that would be dumb. Uh, to say, but it really is to experience that because you're really going to start to experience what those teachers are going through, what those students are going through, uh, and it will really start to change your story and change your content uh, that when it starts getting marketed to those clients and to those education groups and those university campuses, it's going to resonate with them off the paper. Right. Because that's the biggest thing. If you can't get something to resonate off the paper in your marketing or in a video that you do, um, then you know they're never going to give you the time of day. Uh, no matter how good your speaker bureau is at pitching you or you know promoting you to those people, if your you know content isn't relatable off the paper or off the screen, then th- they're never going to bite on it.
0: Right right. Very true. It sounds like uh, a couple things there that that it's very hard work. And just because you put up a website doesn't mean Jack squat. If you build it, they will not come. Uh, it's very much about relationships and building long-term relationships. And a lot of times it feels early on that you're just planting seeds and you're like, this isn't going anywhere, but you have no Mm -hmm. idea that the relationships that you build in schools today, how that leads to something, you know, potentially months, oftentimes years down the road that you just have no idea. And so speaking is is very much a momentum game. So the more you can start, Mm -hmm. start that flywheel going, the quicker you can start to get some momentum and start to, you can, you can start to build some more, more traction there. Absolutely. All right, man. Hey, uh, to wrap up, if people want to find out more about you, what you're, what you're up to, uh, where, where can we go?
1: All right. You can go to premier speakers.com, uh, from there. Golly you, the, <laughs> click on staff. I don't know. Search my name. Uh, uh, at premier speakers. No. Um, yeah. Premier com is where you can go. If you're looking to just learn more about speakers bureau, um, my contact information is under our staff and directory. Uh, always welcome uh, conversations with anybody out there looking to explore speaking in the uh, industry world or even just in general bureau questions. You know, bureau can sometimes be a a big bad word in the speaking world, you know, because it's unknown to a degree and it's a very unknown uh, business uh, model. But that's not how Premier operates. We operate very open uh, armed. uh, We... I I love to tell people the secrets of, you know, how to utilize a bureau to be, um, you know, a, a much better speaker out there in the world without hurting your own brand or cross marketing against yourself. Uh, so always welcome those kind of questions. Um, but yeah, check me out Twitter at Ryan Giffen. Boom.
0: Boom. All right. Now I'm going to protect Ryan here. All right. Don't go bombarding him saying that he needs to start booking you for gigs. All right. So this is a thing I, I always, like a caveat I always have to make. Is that bureaus are not just sitting on this. It's not like Ryan has a stack of gigs and he's like, I have more gigs than I know what to do with. So if you can send me a yeah. bunch of speakers to fill these, that would. That's what I. That is not the case. All right. Uh, right. The 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 president of a uh, premier speakers bureau, uh, Ryan's boss, a good friend of mine. He uh, Sean Sean Hanks. You can go back and listen to a podcast episode with him. We did. Uh, Sean always says that bureaus don't create demand; they manage demand. They don't create sure. demand; they manage demand. Meaning, if you're not already getting booked yourself, then mm-hmm. a bureau is not going to book you. All right. Yeah. So I, focus I, on getting your own gigs I, yeah. before you start right. stalking a bureau, saying, "I've never done any speaking in my life. You should book me yeah. for gigs." They're yeah, not going to be interested in you.
1: I, I was talking to a speaker just the other day who just kind of getting into something, and in the second that someone says, "Hey, I really want to get into," it's like boom, like that point of the conversation with the bureau. It's like red flag stop because getting into is so hard and takes so much work on the personal side. And so we always tell people, it's like, look, you know, bureaus can't make something out of nothing. That's almost impossible. And that's even harder for you to do as yourself, as you're managing it 24 hours a day, waking up at two o'clock in the morning, thinking about it. But bureaus, when there's momentum, we can take a lot and turn it into a whole lot more. Yep. Uh, yeah so yeah, it's a great great way to put it.
0: So I'm just trying to protect you. <laughs> so don't go no, br- harassing Ryan to book you for gigs, all right? he's got a, he's got enough <laughs> en- he's got enough going on. All right, buddy, hey man, we appreciate the time. We appreciate you uh, sharing some of your insights and wisdom, and uh, hopefully people won't won't stalk you now. All
1: right, well, I appreciate it, Grant. you're the man, by the way. Thanks, dude. All right.
0: All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Ryan Giffen from Premier Speakers Bureau. Good stuff, huh? Really good stuff. The dude, just he's got some experience. He knows what he's talking about. Hey, let me remind you, if you haven't already, definitely stop by and check out myspeakerfee.com. Myspeakerfee.com. This is a free speaking fee calculator we put together just to help you kind of determine what should you be charging? I get that question all the time. What should I charge as a speaker? Well, there's a lot of variables that go into it. And so we wanted to uh, try to simplify that and demystify it a little bit by putting together this calculator. So definitely stop by myspeakerfee.com and check that out. All right, my friends, that wraps up episode 154. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.